podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. I'm Justin. My brother, Justice Raji. Man, so... Um, here we are, and uh, a lot has happened this week uh, since the last time we spoke. It just, well, I'll save it for the for the editing process. But um, the, uh, so I guess where I'll start, and I think, um, is uh, Trugoy, uh, Dave uh, Jacquelaire. Yeah. I want to say, um, plug two. Of of De La Soul uh passed away uh at age 54. Um a lot of uh you know folks you know broke up. Um and I guess that's in light of even our recent you know good friends passing and and in that in that age it's still hard, you know. I mean it's their age range, right? For black men. Where it's 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 not unfounded, right? For someone to pass from, you know, I, I think it may have been like a heart related, you know, what I'm saying circumstances. I don't I don't know, but I know he had been public about health concerns of that nature at some point. But not all that was said. I don't want to do a whole thing on black men's health at the moment. I like De La Soul. I love De La Soul. I'm a big De La Soul fan. I've been on the record in our conversations about how much I think. Um, Hip hop is actually shaped by the power of great groups, um, or and at least for me, how important great groups were to like the music that I think is uh, sort of at the center of these living records. Um, it's hard to know how to totally feel, you know. Because on one hand, I still will be able to listen to the music, but it does. I am, you know, it was on my list of like. Can I get another shot to catch Day live, live? You know what I'm saying? And 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 you know, and I'm sure that the rest of the, you know, Mace and and, and Post Deuce will will find a a you know pathway to continue, you know, being performers and performing as Day Live probably with other artists, you know, adding on to 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 fill for where Dave would be. But it's just it's just sad, you know what I'm saying? It's tough to, to lose some of these artists from our our time, right? You know what I'm saying? Men and some of those guys that are not that much older than us. So, you know, when we was 1988, 89, 90, listening to them records, you know, like, you know, they're like, oh, that's just like some dudes that's a little older than us making music. You know what I'm saying? They are they are our older peers, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I guess I, I didn't have a, a super ear question. I probably have a better one in a minute. But what was your first thoughts when you heard? Um, when you got word that the brother passed? Um, so I think, you know, my first thought was, to be honest, about the health thing, right? And, and put it in the context of, of of our good friend and brother who recently returned to the essence. It was kind of like, a, you know, my first thought was, damn, like, here we go again, right? Mm-hmm. 
I feel like the the trauma of when black men are dying because of health issues is like a a prolonged harm. Mm -hmm. Whereas you get like the intra community violence issue and, you know, you see it and you go, oh man, put the guns down. Right. Cool. Or you start to evaluate all the reasons, but then someone dies because of congenial heart failure or a heart attack or, you know, all these like these things. And you just start to think about like, okay, this person was a classic artist and and you're thinking about this person. But at the same time, they are they are being harmed by the exact same things as every other black man. Mm -hmm. You know, and just thinking about the 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 culture of you know when you think about artists from that golden era right and i would i would argue that de la soul um were at the end right kind of of like the golden era mm -hmm. of of what we would call hip hop like you know, you think about them just being able to do the shows on cruises, you know, and perform <laughs> in Poland and perform at different festivals and it'll be fine. And you don't know, think about that, like, you know, health concerns and health challenges are impacting them just like this impacting all of us. Right. And um, so that was my my first thought. And my second thought was I went to think about a bit of Daylight's influence. Um, if you were to look at a family tree, arguably, I mean, I, and I kind of put the Jungle Brothers at the at the root of the family tree, but I put Dela right right behind them, or right like you know, kind of next to them. A lot of the personalities in hip hop that everyone likes today are outgrowths of what Dela did. Mm -hmm of their ability to be themselves and actually present that there were multiple expressions of blackness. Things we take for granted now, right? But you couldn't take for granted in 1988 when somebody was wearing a Paisley shirt or wearing like locks coming out of the side of his head or something right mm -hmm. when you know the perception not only of white folks but of black folks but there was only generally one kind of blackness right mm -hmm. and the power of them just being themselves and, th and that's also in the resulting albums because as much as we think about three feet high and rising to me de la soul is dead was actually as important if not more important <laughs> yeah because yeah. they like killed off an idea and just did good music right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like you had an idea they killed an idea and then just went on and became their, their own art they became who they were so if you look at a lot of these artists you look at your kendrick's you look at your kanye's you you look at all these people who you're like oh man that has some relationship to what de la soul was able to do yeah Right. Like, and, and so the third thing I'll share kind of tied into the second part. And obviously it was a big deal when they were going to start streaming and, and everything. Cause I can't listen to roller skating jam called Saturdays because it's not, it wasn't on the, the streaming. Right. I got to go to YouTube all the time. Um, 
which has always been a challenge. And I want to hear Biddy's in the BK lounge with all the mother songs. <sighs> but um, it also, I started thinking about the role of the black suburb mm-hmm. and how in many ways when we talk about the black suburb um it's it's usually framed now in a context of like black folks leaving a city and and depending on what cities you're from it's a relatively new phenomenon but if you look at places like new york city um it's not a new phenomenon right mm-hmm. Like black folks, first of all, have been in Long Island for hundreds of years, so we should get that out the way. But right. in even in the most current context, you know, there were black communities and many of your favorite rap artists, including Public Enemy, including Eric B and Rockem, including EPMD, and De La Soul, were yeah. all from Long Island. Yep. So they were all from a black suburban context now clearly a black suburban context here doesn't mean necessarily there was nothing not going on because <laughs> that ain't the case either but there, yeah. there but there was a black suburban context and i think again i think they they were able to embody some of that and I, again i think all those groups i just named embodying different forms of being from long island particularly hempstead amityville um Etc. Freeport really kind of showed again this different form of like, yo, everyone doesn't live in the projects, right? Right. You know what I mean? Every everyone doesn't have the Melly Mel experience. You have the you're you're black, so you you know it's kind of lit. It's kind of (laughs) dangerous. It's kind of dangerous out here, but it's lit. But like everyone doesn't have the same experience, and I think you know as they evolved and then just did hip hop and didn't even play into all of that. I just take, um, you know, the power of their music expanding who they were and being open and just authentic with who they were to the, to the world. And it is unfortunate. They won't be able to, as a collective and, and they, you know, true boy won't be able to see the impact of when their music hits the streaming things and then they have even more experiences. So, you know, yeah, just, re- yeah. just reflective on that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting is the, um, like the, the idea, like when, when even I first heard feet, three, three feet high rising, cause you know, we, you know, you got listening to, at least for me, I'm saying listening to Eric B and Rakim, Listening to EPMD, listening to Run DMC. I wasn't listening to a rock Run DMC. Cause like I just think the timing of my own age of like really starting to pick music, you know, once I got, you know, past 1986, you know, past like, you know, 10, 11 years old. Cause before then, you know, like I knew Run DMC, but I, you know, I wasn't trying to go to the uh what you know, whatever the tougher than leather tour. I was like nine years old or whatever, eight years old. Like I, I didn't have any context to to connect with it the way, you know, someone that's, you know, sometimes folks are maybe four or five years older than us right. feel about Run DMC. I knew who they were, but like, again, Airbnb, Rakim, EPMD, then Dayline Tribe, and then like, even Jungle Brothers, it was almost like I knew who Jungle Brothers were, and it's like Jungle Brothers. Oh, they, all oh, they must, them, that, you know, they, oh, that's the name. That, that's like together over there, like the Dave Tons, like you know, you know. Um, but what, <clears throat> what I was getting to was like the 
I know the things they're talking about in these songs, right? They're human things. They're not necessarily, you know, I, I don't think only, uh, you know, just to keep that lens in terms of like social economic stratification, I don't think only uh, working class to, to lower to middle class families have problems with like, uh, or challenges around, uh, you know, uh, liking a girl and, and you find out the girl you like, maybe, you know, maybe she, she likes to do things you ain't ready for just yet. <laughs> like, as a, you know if you ever heard the song jenny you know if you didn't heard three feet behind rising you know what i'm talking about um right like those the sentiments that were going on in there were things that you know were familiar like yo yeah like stuff you talk about walking home from school and things that go on at the basketball court you know in terms of jokes and you know talking about people and somebody's smelling at school and you know what i mean you know you know, the outfits of the moment, all of those aspects. And it didn't ring when I hear other folks speak about them almost in the context of like, like I never, I didn't look at the world as if you couldn't wear, have a funny haircut and wear a a big ass shirt. (laughs) It was like Paisley. Cause I mean, I guess I was in New Jersey, people was wearing dancing pants and all kinds of wild stuff anyway. So maybe I was just, in a, I bet when I was living also in a suburban context with that mix and may you, you know what I mean? I think that may have been that it didn't seem out of place. Right. Where you, well, also y'all had the house music. I mean, I think yeah. that's a, frankly, that's an important yeah. component. That's yeah. That's an important, important aspect that like, depending on where you are, <clears throat> that whole element, that whole really natural part of your community having those clothing and having this kind of uniqueness wasn't present for everybody. So you, I think you were, you were in a kind of unique space. Yeah. And then I guess the thing I think I always, and it will continue to appreciate about just him as an MC. Cause again, when we do the like best MCs and lyrics versus I, we don't, we don't include any of these people. Cause we feel like, you know, almost like they, uh, I don't know if you want to, as we cross over into a little bit of post Super Bowl talk, you know, it's like, well, they had a lot of help. You know what I'm saying? Jalen Hurts had he had a super talented team, but like, you know what I'm saying? It's almost like you discredit what they did on the verses because they're doing it with somebody else that did something good on the verses. Where it's like, nah, but they still was they were still kicking some, you know, creative style, doing interesting things with where you he was almost not rhyming at times, <laughs> like sort of like, oh, talking, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then, it, right. then it would come back in though, like. Proto Sadat X, yeah, yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, onions in the pants. I, you know, I had to cry, like all kinds of stuff. Where you, where you, like, wait, was that a rhyme? Did you just say a sentence? Like, <laughs> you snuck that, snuck that in there, brother. Like, um, yeah, man, it's uh, I, I think it's, I think it's significant to one, just you know, give props, you know, and and much love to his, you know, friends, family, folks, and closest and. And all that, but also appreciate the artistry, appreciate what they brought to music, um, you know, and, and definitely the, the just the whole reality of De La Soul is dead. Like in real time, while we were watching, like they kind of fought off an external urge to some, probably turn them into like, who knows what the record label was trying to get them to do. <laughs> like, oh, man, people love this stuff with the flowers, man. You guys should go more. Bigger flowers, more flowers, flowers everywhere. Like, it's like, yo, man, we... Black dudes from Long Island, man. We ain't like we ain't hippie hippies, <laughs> right? Like, we, we, no, it, we, it was it was mastery. It was mastery to like put out something that was so genre bending and then literally kill it. Yeah, like two years later. 
you know, and, and you know, I mean, at a later date, you know, I know people, some people have mixed feelings about Bloom, my state, but I love, I like it. <laughs> you know, it was definitely one of those first time you like, man, they went, they did some things here. And it was like, actually, I like that song. I like that song. I like that song too. Man, it's a good record. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, uh, so you know, I am, I be being one, one of the favorites, you know, having a whole just Maceo jazz song to get in the middle of a record. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Didn't tell nobody it was coming. Yeah. I mean, I, I think even, even when you think about that album in particular, his verses on uh, like Break of Dawn, you know, you know, there were, you, you think about Paz a lot because he started records. Mm-hmm. So did, I think he got a lot of attention, very similar to the whole Q-Tip Fife thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think the true way was understated um, and then actually provided a balance, not only in voice, but in timber and, and kind of tone to Paz. And I think, you know, again, the the idea that you come out with something, everyone loves it, you kill it. And then then two years later, you come back and do something else that everyone's kind of like, wait, what the hell's going on here? Because then hip hop went another direction and you went away from that. But again, you know, two, three, four years later, you get all these artists who kind of spin off of y'all doing that kind of thing, um, being somewhat irreverent, right? Mm-hmm. Because hip hop was really based on being like, hey, man, don't you hear me rapping? Don't you hear me <laughs> telling this story, nigga? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and hip hop and them, them kind of be like, hey, we just told a story. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Who cares? Right. And then, then you get the far side. I mean, you get the far sides. You get you get, you know, the whole world of of Slum Village and related people that all that has its origin there. Right. Um, and so I think it's always powerful to look at it and to have three albums, your first three albums that are all functionally different. I would almost argue Stakes is High was like the first kind of like kind of like traditional record they put out. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah. you you know what I mean? It, it may be in response to all the things that they saw, but even that, even like, okay, as much as we think about like the out actual song Stakes is High and True Goy talking about being sick of everything and that, you know, and it's so easy. You know, I just think it was like probably the first one that kind of like normalized. Um, but the power of again just being the, the power of being unassuming. You know, if I if I could use one way to describe True Goy, it's like the power of being unassuming. Which hip hop just didn't have, <laughs> and sometimes hip hop doesn't have. It's like the power of man, I'm present and and hear me. Versus like, let me get your attention. You know, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. So you know, I'm gonna drag on it. I, I mean, the one thing I would just say as a, as a structural like sign of the times kind of issue it did raise, and so because like like so I have at least those those first four records. Um, and one of these one other like I had, you know, the the actual, you know, CD <laughs> and or the file, you know, in my music. And since in the last couple of years, my like music that I have and you know converted on my computer, MP3, da da da, and then I have the CDs in a case, you know, in a fold somewhere. Um, it's been a how do I blend these things when I don't have something? So it's been this challenge of like, oh man, I want to listen to that. 
I can't listen to it on the Spotify or the other thing, but I know I have it on this thing. But then sometimes, you know, something, you know, Apple's done some things a couple times with the with the way the iTunes manages your music. But then you go to look for something and it ain't where it's supposed to be. And you're like, well, why is it there? And like my pictures are all messed up. So I got like Carl Thomas's picture is attached to D'Angelo and like rocking. <laughs> I don't know where it happened. I don't know, you know, and I don't have time to fix it. <laughs> like, so you be I'd be looking like the song, the right song is playing, but it's Kanye's face above Al Green. That ain't right. That ain't supposed to be whose <laughs> face is on the little on the little placard. But it um a couple of ago, I realized my other CD book was in in the uh, in the old uh, old whip that uh, the guy has, and I was like, "Oh snap! I forgot this was in here." And then I was looking through, I was like, "Oh man, my because uh, my, my my CD copy of Free Free High Rising is in there." I was like, "You know, and, and, and CD players." I was like, "Yeah, listen, I just told him just take care of it because that's actually that's the only copy I got, <laughs> right? Like that's my hard copy of that, and if I need to redo my music, John, you know, I'm gonna need it." And it like started raising. Things. I was like, this this kind of tension of like music you own and you have, even if you don't have the physical media, you have the file somewhere. And sometimes yeah. the stuff that is not you can't get, you can't listen to some of them. You know, I was listening this morning as I shared. I listened to the uh, OK Player, D'Angelo Live in LA. It that ain't on no service. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and it looks like at least the original one ain't even on YouTube no more. Like, but I have it. Because when it happened and they had it available as a download, I downloaded it, right? So and it's a fantastic performance, a great show. We, you know, it's hard to find it if you want to listen to those renditions of those songs. And I think it's an interesting challenge for, for music. You know, I, I'm glad that they got their, you know, control back that, you know, they and they were, you know, they, you know, like they put uh, the magic number out on, on, on the drawing. So I, I got You're the right. sense that they were going to like slowly be releasing them, you know what I'm saying, as a way to get people to jump in. Um, but, you know, I, I I don't know the answer to when the music you want to listen to is not where you want it to be, but you got this tool that does make it easy to listen to some of the music that you want to listen to. Um, but it's disappointing in, in another frame because it's like, yeah, I want to throw some of these songs, you know, in more often and, and not have to go to my, like, uh, you know, my day last, my personal day last old master mix where I just put, you know, like all the records all together. And so, so I can listen to them sometime. It's just, you know, it, it then becomes like <clears throat> you can lose touch with something that you enjoy just because of the apparatus, not because you don't enjoy it anymore. And then, you know, like, it's like lost the history, you know, not, you know, almost like, you know, evil, evil is banal. And so is losing track of your dope, <laughs> dope music because your record player broke. So now you can't listen to that one. Uh, I, mean, my, I can't listen to my part of town no more because I don't have an electronic version. I only got the record. You know what I mean, I actually have an electronic version, but just saying. Right, for the sake right. of the argument. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that that was my last uh, that I just thought that like it kind of raised still the issue of like access to art <laughs> and creativity that our modern, you know, vehicles create. No, I'm with you. Understood. So that, you know what I mean, moved to another topic, but, you know, love spec, you know, true boy, de la, you know what I mean, all the plugs and, you know, all the sorted related, you know what I'm saying, artistry and those that new best man, you know, peace, you know, one love to y'all. And then, <clears throat> yeah. So, in related news, um, something else happened, music related, was the Grammys. And I continue my streak of not really knowing when the Grammys is happen- happening until people get mad about whatever happened at the Grammys and start talking about it. 
on whatever social media channel I happen to be on or, you know, whatever wild thing somebody says, like uh, Chris Brown not knowing who Robert Glasper is, and uh, which is hilarious <laughs> to think about. And I think... Well, I mean, it you know, that that's an interesting thing. Like, one, if he... You know, man, I'm sure he didn't really know who Robert Glasper was, which also speaks to, like, what else do you listen to outside of the stuff that you create? Right. You know, and that would be for any artist, right? Like if you have someone who's Grammy nominated, you know, and, and again, I don't I don't put the assumption that him as an artist has to constantly be going through and finding himself in dark places listening to music, right? <laughs> However, <laughs> like this is Robert Glasper. It ain't like, you know, I didn't ask you about some like really hard to find, you know, artist in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's Grammy nominated, like he's done music with with everybody right so right. you know it, it does speak to even in black music some of those like disconnects um and i don't know if it's you know i don't know if i want to make it a broader thing or i want to just call it a chris brown thing <laughs> right like <laughs> maybe chris brown just doesn't get out often um you know. hey. <clears throat> yeah it wasn't like uh what's my man uh look i'm trying to look at one i'm saying it in my head uh Diodato. Like the, yeah. like some obscure jazz artist that I know the samples from, like right. <laughs> from the seventies. That like he's got seven interesting records from seventy one to 80, 78 and they did a re release, and he won a Grammy for the re release. And like, who's that? It's Rob Glasper. Like he's been, you know, besides his own music, he's sort of you know, like you know, been on uh, Kendrick's like records, like a lot of other a lot of artists. He's performed like writing and creating on these other people's records, so he's not like. You know, I would think like y'all cross paths. That's I, my mind. Like I, said, I don't know if it's Chris Brown being Chris Brown or is a broader issue. It's just another one of those Grammy problems, right? Um, and but it's interesting. Uh, what was the other thing? I don't remember the other thing people was mad about, but something else happened. Well, Beyonce, you oh, know, the whole be- yeah, the whole Beyonce thing, and then the whole 50th hip hop thing, um, which you know. I don't know many people who are more students of hip hop than Questlove. So the idea of getting 50 years of hip hop into like a really short amount of time is just difficult in itself. Um, And I can't, you know, I would, I would think that, you know, he gave it the, tried to give it the respect it deserves. But again, you know, if, if you've been listening to hip hop for 50 years, what do you identify as the most important things? Every person will have a different perspective of that. Right. Like everybody will have a different lens on what they should have heard more or less. of, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think that part of it, it's kind of like watching the Ken Burns jazz episodes. Like mm. as much as you can get there, obviously there's stuff left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Right. Obviously, there's people who are not being paid attention to. And I think at some point you have to acknowledge that you can't you can't possibly deal with the breadth and depth of a music. I mean, one, let's be real. There were also no international artists. Right. Like because it's just still a context of saying, OK, hey, it's 50 years of hip hop. but Like hip hop been outside of America for a while. Right. But, right. you know. So you you can't get to everybody. You can't get to every country. You know, there's just there's just not there. Um, I will say one of the interesting things I took from it in the resulting issues was 
the issues and challenges between Willie D and Scarface. I don't know if you've seen that. They had that, uh, you know, basically Scarface got asked to come and uh, he didn't tell Willie D that he was going. <laughs> basically. But they do a podcast together, but he didn't tell him he was going. And Willie D was kind of like, oh, man, why did you tell me you was going? Scarface was like, oh, man, they called me. They ain't called you, man. I ain't got to tell you everything of where I'm going. You know, got real old black man. I'm about to say, that that is the old black man is relationship. <laughs> like as a, as a, as a, as a, like a touchstone where like two people that appear to keep talking, talk to each other regularly. But then sometimes it's like, yeah, I ain't, I ain't fucking with Jeff today. Like I ain't going over there. <laughs> Yeah, like I ain't calling you today, and then they they they, they talk it and go going through it, and you know that's a whole that's a whole another thing that I that I I think, and um, it's that along with some of the shenanigans of Jay Prince, um, kind of just engaged to me that the things that we define the South as being really intentional and having strong values, um, you know that's that's coming under question. And and those are just representations of it. Again, I'm not speaking of anyone personally from the South that does music or whatever have you, but like yeah. this idea of togetherness and, and even these two people doing podcasts together, like y'all didn't talk about this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like somebody went to like, yo, going to LA to do the Grammys and then I'm about to go do a song. But it did get to the crux of if the Ghetto Boys have a song called Mind Playing Tricks on Me and Scarface does a verse, is the Ghetto Boys doing it or Scarface doing it? Right. Mm. And so, again, that's why you can't you can't get everybody's verse in. You pick one person and you pick a person that did the song, but it was not just his song. It was the Ghetto Boys song. Right. So even if if he didn't uh, even if he didn't get to perform it, should he have been there? I mean, again, but that's a that's a broader logistical challenge of what they were doing versus to me. Now, you could argue Scarface should have been like, hey, Willie. Yo, man, I'm going out to the joint, man. Just let you know, I'm gonna do this thing. But there's also like, did the Grammy say, "Hey, Willie D, you're we're performing your song. <laughs> you're not coming, but we're performing it." Yeah, and then let you know, <laughs> or just come out and stand on the, come out and stand behind it, right, right, or whatever have you. But I just think you know that um, that element of it. The only other part I'll say about I thought about the you know. To your point about these shows, um, whether it's the Grammys, American Music Awards, Soul Train Awards, BT Awards, you know, uh, Golden Globes, you know, um, there's a lot of these different shows now that like they played a more central role, I think, in our perception of music and culture at a time when music was not as democratized mm-hmm. and the Academy controlled much more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think there's a, there's a, like, there's a perception of the Academy as the standard. Um, and I think if you, if you look at, this is a debate, I mean, the, the whole thing of like Kendrick winning album of the year versus Pusha T, right. And uh, clearly Pusha T did a whole big, like, Hey, I should be the winner. And, you know, he didn't win. (laughs) Right. Now some people to say, Hey. You know, Pusha T had the, you know, he had the best album. Some people, you know, perceive Kendrick's album and dealing with a lot of his, you know, his personal challenges and, and the art that he created. You know, so it does, it brings to bear, is it, is it what's critically acclaimed? Is it what sells the most? Is it what reflects the the time that we're in, right? 
Like, what do those things do for you for for the academy to say this is the best project? Mm. Right. Um, is it the most listenable? You know, and in that, you know, hence Beyonce lost to Harry Styles. So people were like, hey, how could she lose to Harry Styles? And it's like, well, what's the what are the parameters upon which we say something is the best? So I think, you know, whether Harry Styles win or Beyonce wins or Kendrick wins, it doesn't really, I don't know. I don't think it right. And in this day and time, I think people kind of control what they think is the best by, by what they buy and then also by what they share and what becomes kind of the group consensus. So I think it's an interesting thing of this like transition where now you have the the Grammys that are important because you got the Rock Nation brunch and everybody wears the suit that they never wear anywhere else. Right. <laughs> like you yeah, go you get you that. a suit that you like they be having some outfits on dog. It's just like, yo, okay. It's the only That's place right. you can wear this. Like like there's no it's like uh well I mean it's not the Met Gala, but it's damn near near like where else you gonna wear right. that? Right. No, it is because it's almost like, yeah, like Eddie Rose like, oh, you got your Rock Nation outfit on. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, but and at the same time, it's it's a brunch. Like, I don't know, like it's a brunch in California. It's like, yeah. okay. Gotta dress up. Gotta be gotta be shy. <laughs> I guess you gotta, yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, but I do just to to your point, I think um as we get further from this idea of like the Grammys represent, I think hip hop always has a complicated engagement with the Grammys of like what determines what's qualified and what, who determines what's good. Um, and how do you source that? Right. And even as much music, as much as hip hop sells records, it still is a question of who determines or who sources what's good. Yeah. And it's still, it's still the, the, the tension of like, what is one, and this I think is just important, folks, for uh, just to change the <clears throat> the award shows as as whomever running them, <clears throat> then sort of becoming a way of documenting the history of something happening, right? Because like without that, one could not that you can't go find the music and you can't read about it, but like. <clears throat> You know, like I have a, a founder at my mom's house still, but there's like a Leroy Jones book of his writing about jazz that were in like, I guess, like articles that were like in like the, I don't know, I don't know if they were in the Village Voice or what other, other pub, you know, newspapers. And, then, and it's like, you know, his sort of like, oh, this record came out and this is my review of the record. <clears throat> so when, you, when I was reading through it one night when I was in New Jersey, it's like, I have this is the only way I could have context for how somebody at the time when some of those jazz albums came out felt about those albums. Right. So if nobody if he didn't write it and other people didn't write it, you know, we've talked about like Stanley Crouch, you know what I'm saying, and his right. writing on jazz. Like, um, I would say in our, you know, maybe like Dart Adams, um, uh our brother Sunez, you know what I'm saying, being um folks who in the contemporary moment have written about hip hop. You know, others, you know, I guess Coach, the Coach write about hip hop at all? He did, right? No? Yes, maybe? I don't remember. He did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, like, Coach, he, he, he did. He, he did it during his time at The Voice. At The Voice. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, we, yeah, we've talked about uh, <clears throat> uh, others. Like, that stuff becomes a part of how you can get a further understanding about that content and that art, you know, from its time and then later. 
So then the Grammys, though, is something that sort of rejected hip hop and then like but reluctantly decided they had to accept hip hop. And then, you know, it's kind of most of the time botched it. <laughs> um, but then, like, if you're that if you're in charge of the Grammys, you're like, we're about to put a Grammy show on. Yeah, we got to do some kind of 50 year hip hop thing because as bad as we are at this, because <laughs> if we don't, we can't just be like, yeah, we just going to ignore the hip hop because we stink. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they kind of feel like they got to do it. Um you know, it may be bad, it may be good, but the like um the the then the then the what you end up receiving in that show is someone trying to squeeze all this stuff, right? And you know, and I'm I I'll probably rewatch it so I can see because then like, you know, how how heavy do you weigh, you know, the first 15 years of hip hop, right? In terms of like really mainstream, you know, record releasing exposure, how much do you weigh the middle period, you know what I'm saying, you know, from like two, like 97, 98 to, to the early, you know, 2008, 2009. How much do you do right now in the last five years versus even five years before? Like it, it suddenly this becomes a much more, you know, you edit, you decide not to include international stuff, right? You just say, yeah, we're going to bump them out. You know, maybe you start going to who has, you know, even as, as cold as it might sound, you know, we love the ghetto boys. But Willie D, you know, most of us like Scarface better. Nothing personal, dog. Not you know, it ain't, it ain't, you know, it's Scarface and you Willie D, right? It's, you know what I mean? It, it it ain't a knock. Like you got some funny but Willie D got some verse of it. Like Willie that's hilarious. I love. I drive big cars, make big money. I drive big cars. <laughs> Everybody know, know me. me. It's like I'm a movie star. star. <laughs> Late at night, something <laughs> <me>. right? right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you know if it. It, it becomes a thing where you do people do feel I would I could see someone in the artist's direction be like oh we got to get the south in there we got to get we got to get Scarface right like we because if we get Scarface can't nobody say we didn't get the south right if you get Big Boy or Andre three thousand to come out of the wherever he's at chilling doing what he's doing or the recesses yeah you know I'm saying or you get uh you know I mean well that Luke did sort of rap on this records somebody'd be like did Luke rap on the records or did Luke just be there with the record that was made? I was really thinking like honestly that was a big if, if and I don't again I can't argue what you missed or didn't miss for a lot of reasons because of what we're discussing but I did think that Luke was a part of like a subgenre of it, one because of his stuff with the politics and just the framing. Like, yeah, we may call it whatever, but it was firmly released under the guise of being hip hop music. Mm-hmm. And I thought that omission. Yeah, I mean, like when you get to Chicago, do you do you go Common or do you go like Chief Keith and them? Do you go uh, was it a uh, little dirt, yeah. little dirt Chicago? Yeah, a little dirt, yeah. Little dirt. Like, like if this suddenly becomes a do you do well obviously right now you don't do Kanye, but <laughs> right, like <laughs> this becomes a much more like how do you do Philly? Do you just do you just go quest love and, and, and thought? Do you do Meek Mill? Do you do uh the, right. you know what I'm saying? Like this starts to become like, all right, man, we gotta make some choices. <laughs> we only got eight yeah. minutes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we can't get everything like you know, we just want to get the highlights or get some get some bits of somebody's rendition. So I like I, you know, as a task that someone would try to do, you know, I ain't no DJ, but if you told me like make an eight-minute mix where you just gonna scratch in verses or parts of records, 
even that I could imagine being almost like hundreds of, you know, like 15 minutes, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 20 seconds of this and that, just to try to get a little bit of everything. I mean, it will be a fantastic, you know, creative challenge if somebody was, you know, put together a little, like, I'm going to just get on the tables. But then trying to do that on a stage and people got to wear fancy TV outfits because you got to wear, wear a real wild outfit to be on TV. You can't just come on with like a dope sweatshirt. <laughs> It's some, it's some Tim's. I mean, maybe I would, but you know, that that's how I would approach it. I'm like, we gonna go wear what we would have wore when we uh, made our, our our one uh you know round away fantastic record. You know what I'm saying? You know, right. we had more than one. We had a couple of them. We, thought we was pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that. I, I concur. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But congratulations to everybody for still being mad at the Grammys for being the Grammys. You know what I mean? Good job, by y'all. <laughs> you know, getting in your feelings and stuff. Like, come on, man. Grammys. What do you expect? Like, they're gonna mess it. They're gonna mess it up, man. And I don't know. I've never listened to a Harry Styles record, or I'm not sure if I have. And you know, I'll ask Malia if she's ever played one for me because I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't evaluate if Harry Styles should have won anything because I, I just hear this person's name. I don't recall listening to any of his music. Yeah, same, same. So let's talk about the Super Bowl, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that results, uh, you know, my homeboy, you know what I'm saying? Levon, you know, also known as Patrick, you know, triumphed uh, uh over the the uh the Eagles of Philadelphia, you know what I'm saying, uh, and uh Jalen Hurts, you know what I mean, in in, a, in an epic battle, you know what I mean, of uh of, of football, football in this. Um, it was great. It was a good game. You know, I, I thought it was it, it actually sort of played out the way I, I thought it might in terms of, um, you know, I, di- I didn't think <clears throat> that the Chiefs would be down by, you know, I thought they might be down. But I didn't think they'd be down by by two scores at the half and, and really with only one offensive score. Um, but I wasn't. You know, totally surprised because I mean, even just the Eagles' mo this season is usually been to 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 build leads, and especially in the second quarter, um, they they seem to like even if they don't come right out and and, and get on top of you, they they've been uh, I think I don't, and I'll leave put stat nerds to, <clears throat> to let me know the details. Um, let me just take my uh uh to to come in and um land like edit and then get successful in the second quarter and build a lead going into the half. And then, you know, they, they came out, the Chiefs came out in the second half and said, all right, man, we we going we, we to go pull all our, you know, we're going we gonna to look at what you're doing and credit to Andy Reid, who I think the year before in that Bengals game when they should have ran the ball more, didn't. They ran the ball, which is not Philly, like Philly by design, let wants you to run the ball. And they 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 did that and then he Levon you know Levon was out there wheeling and dealing and and they couldn't stop him from scoring and any of the drives in the second half and that's how that's how you don't win the Super Bowl you know that's how it goes um <clears throat> you know you know you know Eagles fans you know I mean you know I know a lot of y'all well and I love you and stuff as as friends but I'm a Giants fan so I ain't really all that broke up that y'all win Super Bowl just I'm not gonna be, I'm gonna be transparent that you know I mean I would have accepted and been happy for you as as my friends and colleagues but you know also go Giants man like you know it's hard to win Super Bowls everybody can't pull it off you know what I'm saying so that's my first thoughts what what, what came to mind for you oh uh, man we talked about it, and I remember saying, listen, if Mahomes gets the ball last, the Chiefs win. Mm-hmm. Mahomes had the ball basically last. 
And the Chiefs won. <laughs> like, that's what it is. He's a singular talent. Um, I think that the the Philadelphia Eagles, or well, Andy Reid at all, and I'll get to my point around Andy Reid in a second. And I'll get more about Andy Reid and <laughs> the Eagles in a second on the coaching tip. But the Eagles got outcoached in the second half. Mm-hmm. Full-fledged. Yeah, yeah. Um, They, you know, the Chiefs saw what happened, saw they were down, figured it out, and came back. You know, and Jalen Hurts is is a he's a superstar. And if you didn't know before, you you know now <laughs> that he is a superstar. Um, and those are the kind of games you want. I mean, you know, if you're gonna have a Super Bowl, I think we were so used to blowouts in the Super Bowl recently, right? We've been used to like people getting dragged. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't a drag. This was two, frankly, evenly matched teams. Well, I don't know. Even though, let me take that back. I don't think they were evenly matched teams. I think they became evenly matched because the Eagles got out coached in the second half. Mm. Um, <clears throat> because I think the Eagles generally feel a better team than other people, but the better team doesn't always win. <laughs> and that, you know, uh, the better athletes or whatever have you. So. I mean, I have to think that. I think, you know, we have to give Patrick Mahomes kind of who he is. And and again, he's a singular level talent. Um, I do want to note that his father is absolutely hilarious. Fantastic. I love him. His pop is fantastic. <laughs> man, his pop is black as all get out, man. Oh, man. You, you know me. Say what you want. You know, you look at Patrick Mahomes and you, you know, get into this whole colorism thing. He's light-skinned and woo-woo-woo. Yeah, well, if it's with his pop, <laughs> his pop ain't got nothing but heat for your ass. Um, you know, but, and I do think, you know, to, on the level of um, the endearing hug that they had post-game mm-hmm. was also really important um, for people to see. Um, again, as Black fathers. Um, being present in the lives of their young, of their, of their sons. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's an important thing to humanize that like the black fathers raise their children, like any other fathers raise their children, you know, and I'll wait before I go into my diatribe about the NFL. But I see if you had any other perspectives. Um, Well, some other things. One, I wanted to give props to Jalen Hurts because like, you know the, the way the game flows, and 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 as has actually been shown in the season, like sometimes the Eagles go out and get you know get the lead, and then the second half teams you know might figure a couple kings out or move in, and then um you know and then they might then usually they come back with a couple plays and and then go oh nah nah yeah y'all did get back in it but we are gonna go ahead and close it out. And to his credit, when uh when it was. Yeah, when 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 Kansas City took the lead, and it was like, all right, you know, this is this is this this is the possession. You know what I mean? This is this is those where you as the quarterback and and your team need to come out. Y'all got y'all have to come out and get a score, right? Like y'all got to go down the field and get a touchdown because if you don't, this game's going to be over, right? And to his credit, he got it done. Like fourth quarter, Super Bowl, lead a drive, puts points on the board, a touchdown. I mean, you know. That's what that's what's supposed to happen, right? If if you are a, a upper level player, um, 
you know, the 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 strategy and other thing notwithstanding. I mean, like sometimes people want to make you know football, I think, more complicated than it needs to be. You know, at the byline, you watch done football, it's sort of like you get so many possessions in a game. And if you start, if you've been down in the game, if you score, you're going to get more opportunities, right? Because like folks, like even say, oh, I'm surprised they didn't just start passing it all over the field so they get back into the game. It's like they were going to get four to five possessions in the second half. And the thing that I think is people will not look at as significant but it's actually magical is it like it's really hard to score on all four of your possessions <laughs> like you have four or five and you scored on Absolutely. all of them Absolutely. you did something to make like i think uh after the one pass he missed i think mahomes was 13 for 14 so like if you look at those drives like it's almost like no passes are incomplete <laughs> those yeah, last no, you know what i mean because there wasn't like the ooh whiz bang play it'll get downplayed they're like oh well he only threw for 182 yards so it wasn't like a magical game it's like well, that was 182 yards that were available. <laughs> like he, he got right. It. He took he took what he took what the defense gave him, and they scored. Yeah, and then for Hurts, I think you know, I did up. I think the fact that they actually were so successful throwing the ball, that it it kind of like took some bit away from the thing. At least you know, as a Giants fan, I'll also say that the Eagles do to you, which is shove it down your throat. <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you can't, you're like, you're trying to stop them. You're like, God damn it. Oh, where's the hole? Johnson, like, where's your man? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? You're like, Son of a, you're like, we got him. Oh, no, we don't. <laughs> like, we we got this whole stuff. You know, we filled this play up. And then it's like, no, you don't. That guy, he, he slipped out the back. And he went this way. You know what I'm saying? Which is, you know, leads to me, I, I, I think, is it because it, it also tilts the time variable. So the Chiefs being able to get those stops of the Eagles defense in successive series in the in the in like it's what the end of the third in the in the middle of the fourth before that last possession gave them the time to get to, to tie up and then to get you know to get ahead. Um, you know, I you know, I, you know, I mean, I, I stand in the like I don't care about the penalty and I don't think you need to do the whole like can we call or not call like we all got to pick a team on what we want refs to do. Do we want refs to just call games? Or do we want refs to be making contextual decisions about the nature of the moment? <laughs> and, you know, we, we want that when it favors us, but we don't want that when it goes a different way, right? You right. know what I'm saying? Like, well, the, the refs need to be thinking about how this will look on Jalen Hurts' record if they don't call that. They'll go ahead and call that a catch or call that a pass interference. So, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, the refs just, just like, you know, calls get made. You know, I mean, I've, I've, it's it's just sort of a, a bit ridiculous with with some folks with with uh you know and you can be disappointed right because it would have been cool to see if 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 the, if the Eagles got one more possession could they have pulled it out to get down the field and and you know I, I think if it would have played out differently I mean they would have had to kick a field goal at that point so therefore they would have just needed a field goal to tie right so could the you know could they have got it done you know it's possible maybe maybe not I don't know but you know. Stuff happens. You know what I mean, it's, it's football. You know, it's, it's all kinds of contact. People, giant, strong humans, run fast, hitting each other and stuff. And um, you know, we 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 care more about the calls late, and we overlook stuff that probably should have been called early. <laughs> we go like, oh well, you know, it's early in the game. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, what if that call got made and they scored a touchdown on that drive? Well, well, you know, we can't control everything. Justice is like, well, I mean, we, you know, let let the players play. Enjoy the game. Appreciate, you know, so it was, it was a good Super Bowl, you know, even though I don't, I don't like the Eagles. 
but I, but I was <laughs> I wanted I wanted you know I, like I said I can accept good things they do they run a good ship over there man I could they run a good ship like I respect them you know what I'm saying but you know what I'm saying next year let's go Giants you know what I'm saying it's our division or at least we try to split you know what I'm saying we try to get in there get back to the playoffs two years in a row go Giants all right I've made it to Giants conversation all right what's what's NFL okay to them. now now we've got the particulars out of the way <laughs> okay so. There's two parts of this that I don't like. Okay. The one part of this I don't like is, and it's it's it, you know, the NFL more than any other place comes down to this. I mean, hockey probably comes down to it, but we just give hockey away. We won't even say shit no more about hockey. <laughs> like we just like fuck it. Maybe there ain't nobody black can coach. Fuck it. Um. All right. The Eagles get out coached in the second half. Um. The OC, the defensive coordinator, everybody gets out coached. Somehow they both get head coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. You got him now. You had a great season, and I'm not assuming that because because uh, obviously you had chosen to get these guys their jobs before the Super Bowl. So I, I get that. So it's not like you know the coaches were watching, the owners were watching. Oh man, messed up today. He doesn't get the job. So I get that. Because, like you said, the Eagles actually run a really good organization. It's a really good ship. They both get head coaching jobs. We shall see, you know, the the, the tree and how it goes, right? Um, and they got some folks filling in, and, and it'll be what it is. But they did get out coached. Then you have Eric Bieniemy. The curious case of Eric Bieniemy. The OC for the Chiefs, who... They have two Super Bowls in what the last four years. Mm-hmm. Two Super and they Bowls, went to three, a third one. three Super Bowl appearances, three. and five consecutive AFC Championship games. Exactly, all of them hosted at home. Exactly. By any other means, if you didn't have Tom Brady in the world, <laughs> and you didn't use the framework of his existence, it's a dynasty. <laughs> the OC for this team. Can't seem to get a head coaching job. Even though they've been in three of the last five and been in five AFC championship games. When people talk about why not, one of the reasons they bring up is that Eric BME does not call all the plays. And for some reason, Andy Reid let it be known that Eric that, that he calls some plays. So then people use that as a reason, along with he doesn't interview well, he doesn't interview well, so that he doesn't get a head coaching position in the National Football League. Jeff Saturday, a guy who had no coaching experience, coached the Colts. <laughs> he was just a guard in the league. Eric Bieniemy, a Good player from a pedigree. He went to Colorado and has been here for some reason, has to go leave. And then of all places, become the OC for no one else but the goddamn commanders. Which has to probably be, at least in football and basketball, (laughs) along maybe with Brooklyn, that's now one of the worst places you can go. (laughs) 
<sighs> and go to be an OC with Ron Rivera, who was a great coach. But you still got to be an OC. Andy Reid, I don't know, purposely, not purposely, has, he made us this guy I can never be a, a goddamn head coach. And so for the Eagles, OC and DC to go get jobs, everybody else is getting a, a head coaching job. For Eric Bieniemy to not, as highly regarded as he is, by all the amazing players who have played under him, is a testament to the weird, strange world that is the NFL. It just so I just wanted to get that out because, like, it don't make no sense. I actually, I, I was super, I was super disappointed. Like that, I was hoping he would like go, just go be a college head coach. It's just like, man, screw all this NFL stuff. I'm gonna go do a college thing. And like, cause I mean, the problem with Washington, I mean, okay, there's so many layers of problems. All right, first problem is the idea that just because he doesn't call the plays, meaning somehow he one, I, I, the history of the head coach calling the plays and teams being good, it's not a great history. <laughs> it's usually only on teams where you got like a a a, a genre defining quarterback <laughs> that that works out well. Right, most of the time, like, I mean, it, it's been a solid performance. Like, you know, when uh, Eric Alex Smith was the Chiefs quarterback, like they were a competent, competitive NFL team. But Alex Smith's, you know, limitations as you know, having you know, throwing the ball places, some you know, throwing in the challenge and other things, that was like limited the outcome, right? So the calling of the plays as this definer of this should make you a head. I just think it's a ridiculous from media people. That they that they raise that as this reason why maybe he's not the one that's making decisions. They the coaches, it's a whole system. Like if you're, you know, like there's a whole offseason, there's like building and planning the out, like there's a whole thing with coaching a football team that's a months-long process. It involves all this other time outside of who calls plays during the game to make the team like good. Like there's there's technique stuff, there's training stuff, there's the relationships with the staff. You know, Brian Dayball, coach of the Giants this year, people were like, oh, he's not gonna call the plays. No, because he wants to run the team. He needs to keep an eye on everything, not just what's the next play. There's enough, there's there's enough times in the last even 20 years of football where you go, oh, the call and the play, da, 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 and you go, like, you know what? That coach might be missing some stuff with this game because he's so worried about calling these plays he wants to call. Like there's 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 I, I think it's a it's a strange. I, I'm I'm frustrated with the NFL media, but they're leaning in as that as some sort of evidentiary marker about him and his capacity to like design a program and run a whole team. I just think it's a ridiculous point to go like, but he doesn't call the plays, so maybe it's just Andy. And it's like, no, they plan stuff, they review things. It's a damn brain trust, right? Like the way these things run well, like uh, you look at the Colts teams. Like yes, you had Peyton Manning, supercomputer, you know, on the field, da da da, quarterback. The culture of the team, the structure, you know, set up by Tony Dunny. Who the the coaches are, or the way the defense played, and all these other, they, they, you know, they did the wide nine with the blitzing, and they did the other thing with Bob Sanders when they, you know, they got their run. Jim Caldwell's proven to be a coach, and, and I'm glad that he's back on the end as an offensive coordinator, offensive staff leader in uh, Carolina. As someone that helps quarterbacks get better, <laughs> and then runs good offense, and even right. you know, that his worst his worst trait as a le- as leader of a team was going consistently going nine and seven with Matt Stafford's inability to actually be 
to take a team to the next level. But I'll I'll say that for later. Um, it's very ridiculous, and I'm sad he's going to Washington. And and, and one because I don't like the Cobra. I like you know what I'm saying they should wear the Cobra. <laughs> That's how they look to me. Uh, Commanders. Um, but one I don't really think. I, I think I'm not. I don't think Ron Rivera is long for this world as the head coach of that team. I just I don't see. I don't see where that's going. If they were not in this thing where they're looking to change ownership, he probably would have been fired, right? Because right. you know, basically, right. due to the structure, of what's happening there, the team's about to be sold. You can't be firing people and making new contracts and changing stuff on the books, right? So you know, and then it's like, well, now Eric, I, I, I definitely, I can't root for you, bro. You, you, you with them, <laughs> you with them. Like I, I, I love as a Giants fan, I love beating them. We beat them every year. <laughs> like, it's the other two teams that we, you know, we've been off and on because of our, you know, depleted talent level. You know what I'm saying? But y'all, we beat y'all. <laughs> we, you know what I'm saying? We, we y'all, we, we, we wait for you to get on the on the calendar. It, it's 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 and it's just the idea that a man that has accomplished as much as an offensive coordinator. Like if anyone that decides, like now I'm going to see if Eric Ben really knows what he's doing because he goes and coaches Ron Rivera's team. Offense? Are you serious? It's ridiculous. Like he, it's just, I think the ship right is with Carson with Carson Wentz, right. like okay. <laughs> Sam like, Howell, and, uh, whoever else they right. Uh, like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a testament to like the NFL just still has, and and it cuts all the ways. Obviously, it cuts across race, but it cuts. I mean, you know, we you know often talk about my formerly beloved Raiders, and that's just the strangest place in the world. Like you know, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Like, so it, it like the NFL more than like a lot of other places, like the personalities of the owners and the personalities that come out just cut in really, really like wild ways, man. So I just, you know, I just think it was important for us to, it was while we talk about the Super Bowl, but like everybody else loses and, and moves on to run teams. And I'm not knocking again. I, I don't knock. You got out coached because you got out coached. That's fine. That shouldn't mean you can't go run your own team. But like, <clears throat> you participated in getting a Super Bowl. You should be able to go your, run your own team. Too. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's the the model that had been been planted back to uh, Adam Gase getting two jobs. <laughs> Adam Gase was Adam Gase rejuvenated Peyton Manning when he got to Denver. Word, Adam Gase rejuvenated Peyton Manning. Being Peyton Manning and having suddenly having uh was it was it uh, Demarius Thomas, uh what's the name that came from the Steelers like yeah. having basically a loaded ass offense rejuvenated Peyton Manning. <laughs> no Adam Gase, are you crazy? Uh, uh, what's my bad? Uh, Hackett, who I've showed he could not coach his way out of a wet paper bag as a head coach last year. You know what I'm saying? You trying to tell me Eric Bieniemy would not have done a better job in Denver last year? Like really? That dude was clearly way out of his league as a head coach. He might be a great guy. People say nice things about him, but he wasn't ready. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's and, and, and you know, and, and as I like, I would say any like classic African American fair experience since <laughs> we just be like, it's fine, man. Y'all not gonna do the right thing. I'm just gonna move on <laughs> to do something else because I right. can't. I can't sit and dwell on this and like have my heart blood pressure going up. Like I'm gonna go over here, I'm gonna go hang out with my kids, or I'm gonna go like I'm gonna go, you know, have have a nice little glass of whiskey or something, and, and somebody gonna make me some sort of uh, smoked meats or something like that, and I'm gonna uh, think about <laughs> other things because it's like if I sit over here and look at you just not willing to do the right thing, it it, it just it's 
you know, you just got to move on. <laughs> like, well, well, you know, they had a chance to do the right thing. And again, they refused. So I'm just going to go over here and think about something else. I just, I just would have liked I, for him. I just would have thought, you know, and I think, and then the timing though, I guess is bad because, you know, in terms of college roles, this ain't the time cycle to take a college role, right? Like the time cycle for college roles is usually at the end of the college season, you know, before recruitment. Absolutely. Stuff happens I mean, hard. Recruiting, so, yeah, yeah. Like so like it, and- he would either have to sit out a year and then, you know, come back in. I would have rather him just say, you know what, I'm going to go be, you know, special assistant. Shoot. I wish the Giants would have brought him in as a special assistant or something. Just let him hang out with us for a year and then, let him go, you know, find his own thing. But Giants, you know, well, they're getting better, man. I mean, I, I, I got hopes for the new GM and, and uh, they ball that they will make more creative decisions and, and not, you know, because on the on the field, you know, the Giants leadership has not made the best decisions. But I, I'll say that for a personal justice rant about the Giants in the last 20 years. But we did, but we have won two Super Bowls, unlike in the last 20 and four in, la- in my lifetime. So, you know, some teams win four Super Bowls, other teams go to four Super Bowls and don't win four of them. You know what I'm saying? That's the, them's the breaks. All right, I'm just, that was that was the Eagles jab. I did it. That's right. It was that was that was that was vicious, man. Yeah, I did it right to the ribs. And, and, and you know, the guy I, I said some mean things on the internet a couple weeks ago. Guy said I was being petty. You know what I'm saying? I was. I I, I won't do it again. That was I said I would. That was the second time, but this was a different context. So just you know, if I don't know if he listened to this podcast, but just in case he ever does, you know what I'm talking about. You know, but I just had to do it because you know what I'm saying it's four rings. You know what I'm saying we out here go Giants. Well, hold on, man. Don't 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 start with that shit, man. Then you get into Pittsburgh territory with that ring shit. Which start which starts to have no context on how you're actually functioning today. It starts it, it starts to be the version of like, you know, back in my day, right? When when jazz was like this, it was 1955, man. So I get you, I get you. But, you know, you get into the, you get into that. The, the, you know, got get into like that Cowboys context where you Cowboy, you ain't won nothing Cowboy. since 1995. And hey, 49ers fans, I know y'all, you know, y'all, you know, and, and just, 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 just saying, y'all are only one year different from the Cowboys. <laughs> Talking big, big, big trash. They're, they're, to me, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Steelers, and kind of y'all are like those teams that's kind of like the, like, Hey man, we've been good, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we want to yeah. upswing, baby. Nine seven one, we coming and, and back. You know, it, 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 it don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. You know, Tom again. Tom Brady kind of upgraded the whole weird thing where like he's got seven in his goddamn self. You could argue how many of them. You know, <laughs> you I know mean, that'll never uh, happen again. Um, for you know, for just no, no, <laughs> but, no. No, but shit, I mean, now what's the name's got two? You know? Yeah. And no, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't bet that he doesn't get another one or two. I I mean, I I I say right now, I, until one of the other AFC teams does something different, I'd say he's back in the championship game for show next season. You know. It, it's one of those, I would just say this is is just goes back to the football aspect of it. Like people, I, I hope that this puts to bed the whole like. I mean, is is this person now? No, none of those people are number one. He's number one, and then it's like the next group of people. But yeah, he's number yeah, one. <laughs> it's like it's him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's him and everybody else. Yeah, him, I mean him. He's his own. Group. You know, 
the the other gunslingers hurt. Yeah, but it, it's him. It's yeah. it's him and then everyone else. Like you know, so shout out to 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 them and, and his pop who's probably still smoking cigars talking shit yeah. about the fact that they won. Yeah. <laughs> love it. My I man. love to see it. Love to see it. So all right. Uh I think that's anything else. No, nah, not for good. I think we're good for the good of the order. All right. So with that, I'll say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, uh, Majestic. Good Brothers is a part of the Ask Your Old Head podcast. And you can support the podcast by sharing, uh, by listening, by rating and subscribing, and again, by sharing. Uh, That's the only way we connect with new people. Uh, Further, the podcast is produced by me, recorded by me, edited by me. Um, and you can support me um, in continuing this creative work via my Patreon, where you can subscribe monthly and contribute a little bit to keep uh, my costs down and keep this thing here going and growing. You can also support the podcast by um, purchasing uh, merch. I have started working on a new shop, so you can still search on Etsy, and that's cool. Um, buy you a sweatshirt or a mug, um, but if you uh, go to asheroverhead.com and click on the products i think is what i have it named as uh, you can order a sweatshirt and um, testing it out it's new so if you've ever if you've been on the fence about purchasing a sweatshirt maybe now this is your year i don't know so feel free check it out uh, give it a swing let me know how it goes uh, and um, more to come more to come so thank you for your support and be well peace <laughs>